Hello and welcome to the Oaks Sermon Podcast. This week we continue our sermon series, I'm a Believer. Our pastor Trevor Hall will lead us in Say What You Believe, Believe What You Say. Let's get an insight into what goes on inside his mind. Enjoy. Okay, Trevor, it's that time of the week. Get your preaching face on. Time to preach a killer sermon again. What if no one pays attention? I don't even know if I've done enough to craft a really, really great message. God's word's powerful, but what if I don't make it interesting or funny enough? What if, what if they're bored? I mean, what if I preach it really, really well? Then, then people will really love me. They'll, they'll, they might put something in the chat like, what a great preach, or wow, that impacted me. What am I saying? There I go again. When will I learn? It's not about me. It's about glorifying God. I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm really cut out for this job. If they really knew what went on inside my head, they'd think differently about me. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm, I'm not really qualified to preach this message. Time's up. It's time to preach. Deep breath, smile and say good morning. Good morning. And welcome. Can I ask you a question? Am I the only one who has a voice going inside my head? One that doesn't sound very Christian, doesn't seem to line up with what the Bible says. Last week I was preaching to you, hopefully you heard that message, and I was talking about how we have a clay jar on the outside and a treasure within. And I said that we have these two selves, the inner self and the outer self. But you know, I find that the voice inside my head, my inner voice, still isn't this treasure, this light of the world that's placed within me. Maybe a better phrase to use would be to talk about spirit and flesh. Because there's this outer self that the bible calls the flesh it, it not only includes this body this physical body it includes this mind and the thoughts that run through this mind is still this flesh and then there's the inner self the born again holy spirit life breathed into me and i know that there's this inner voice that isn't my true inner self because even those who aren't saved have an inner voice i think of it a bit like this pot here there's the outer part of this clay jar and there's also an inside bit of the clay jar but it's all the clay jar but it's the treasure that's really within that is in this inner self everyone's got an inside voice and an outside voice but not everyone has a treasure that's placed within and praise God. He promised, he promised in the book of Joel in the Old Testament and then fulfilled in the book of Acts that he would pour out his spirit into our flesh. And so now we live with both this inner treasure, the spirit, the spirit within us and this outer clay, this flesh. And inside my head, I hear both my flesh voice, 
and I hear the Spirit's voice. And you know how you can tell the difference between them? Because they both go on inside my mind, but the difference between the voice in my flesh and the true inner Spirit speaking, well, the Word of God tells me how to tell the difference. There's a passage in Galatians that talks about these differences. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the work of the flesh. It describes the work of the flesh. It talks about things like the things that the flesh consists of are things like sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like this, it says. You know, it's a good job you can't hear what goes on inside my head. A bit about selfish ambition is a common one that I have to battle with the flesh. I can also tell when the fruit of the Spirit is at work because Galatians also tells us what the fruit of the Spirit sounds like. The fruit of the Spirit sounds like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And so I can tell the difference between these two. But you know what? This flesh and this spirit within are intention. They're intention with each other. Galatians also tells us this in verse 17 of chapter 5. It says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit against the treasure within, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, this clay jar. For they're opposed to each other. And this flesh keeps us from doing the things that the spirit really wants us to do. You know, there's a flow in this chapter that we're working through, in this series that we're working through. There's this flow that fits with the experience of us as believers. There's this flow that starts in what I call stage one, a world where we're blind. We're just a clay jar. There's no spirit within us. We are just a clay jar and we are blind to the light of Jesus. Annie spoke about that in week one. She spoke about how we were all once unbelievers. Last week I was talking about how we have been made alive and this spirit, this treasure, this light has been placed within us. And it carries on later at the end of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians and into chapter 5 about how we lose this clay jar. He starts to call it actually a tent is when he gets to chapter 5. He says we lose that and we become eternally alive with Christ and we get a new body. This, This jar of clay gets discarded and we get a new body. Dave Kurtz is going to preach about that next week and uh, it moves on into chapter 5 as well where we hear more about that. But in this week, this week 3 of our series, Paul teaches us that we live in between this tension. And he tries to give us some clues of how we live within this tension. How do we align the inside of our jar, this fleshly voice that goes on inside my mind and goes on inside your mind? How do we align that with the true inner treasure that's placed within us? How do I get my outer flesh to become closer to the inner spirit? This flesh that keeps me from doing the things that I really truly want to do, the spirit within me wants to do. This week we're preaching about say what you believe 
and believe what you say. So let's have a look at the text for this week and see what Paul has to say about how we live in this tension and what he has to say about saying what we believe. Well, we're reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 7 where we were last week so you get the run up into this and you get the context. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. I'm reading through to verse 15 and I'm also reading from the Passion Translation which I think brings this word a real, into real kind of vibrant language for us today. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to mean that we constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. Verse 13, where we really get to our text for this week, says, We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, First I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe, then we speak in faith. We do this because we're convinced that he who raised Jesus up with him. Sorry, let me say that again. We do this because we're convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him. And together we will all be brought into his presence. Yes, all things work for your enrichment so that more of God's marvellous grace was spread to more and more people, resulting in even greater increase of praise to God, bringing him even more glory. As we read both of these passages together, all part of one chapter, he's transitioning us from the focus of last week. The focus from last week was, you know, we're not special, strong Christians showing off our great abilities. We're not. We're jars of clay. We're ordinary, fragile Christians showing off our great treasure. That's where we were last week. But how do you show off that great treasure when you're stuck in a clay jar? Well, this week, Paul starts to speak to us in these verses that the treasure within shapes the words spoken out. The treasure within shapes the words spoken out. Our faith in Jesus on the inside transforms the words that we speak on the outside. You know, what you believe in your spirit is spoken out by your flesh. What do we read in this verse 13? It says, we have the same spirit of faith that's described in the scriptures. So it's interesting when it says we have the same faith described in the scriptures. And you go, well, what scriptures? Well, fortunately, people have done the hard work for us. He's referencing back to a psalm. And in Psalm 116, he's referencing where it says, First I believed, then I spoke in faith. And you go back and read Psalm 116. 
this same spirit of faith that's at work in Psalm 116. You know, Psalm 116 is a psalm of distress. It's a psalm of anguish crying out, but it's also a psalm of hope and trust in God. It's a psalm of thankfulness to God for his faithfulness and a psalm of confession and what Paul is saying in this passage in 2 Corinthians 4 when he looks back at Psalm 116 he's saying you know what I have the same tension that the psalmist had I have the same tension that others have faced this tension where God's spirit his word his promises say one thing but on the flesh, on the outside, I'm afflicted and I'm troubled and my flesh says something else. It's what scientists and psychologists called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance, if I can say it right, is this thing that goes on within us when the things that we believe and the things that we do or the things that we know and the things that we see don't line up with each other. And it creates stress within the body. That's what psychologists will tell you. They go, when you experience cognitive dissonance, I'll get these words right, you experience this stress that goes, this isn't the way it's meant to be. I'm not the way I'm meant to be. I thought I was this, but I'm that. I thought the world was this way, but it's turned out to be that way. That's what happens within us when we have this belief that God says he's going to do something. God's promises say that. The treasure within tell me one thing, but my flesh tells me something else. Psychologists have also taught us that when we experience that cognitive dissonance, we don't like it. We don't like that stress and tension that's caused. And so we want to resolve it. Something has to change. One of those factors has to change. What I'm seeing or what I'm believing, one of them has to change. And for us as believers, I think when we have that, when we have what God's promises say, what the treasure within is saying, what the spirit within us, that inner spirit is saying, when that's different to what our flesh is thinking, feeling, experiencing, we want to solve it. And often our temptation is to quit, to give up, to say, well, clearly God's not true to his promises. Clearly the Bible can't be trusted. We want to resolve that tension. But Paul teaches us in this passage, there is a better answer the better answer he says is first believe then speak in faith first believe then speak in faith how do you deal with these conflicting messages paul tells us there's a way there's a way to connect this inner bit of flesh this inner voice there's a way to connect that with the spirit the treasure the light that's placed inside you, the faith in you. And he tells us the way to do it. He says it's through the mouth, through the tongue, through speaking out. We connect the treasure within to the flesh without. You know, if there is a connection between our spirit and our flesh, if that connection is the tongue, then let me tell you this, it's time to tame the tongue. It's time to tame the tongue. You know, you can find hundreds, maybe even thousands of YouTube videos, blogs, Instagram accounts, books, whatever you want to look for on the internet that will talk about how to control your diet, how to control your exercise routine, 
how to control your mind through mindfulness and all these things, but you will find very few, nowhere near enough focus on how to control what we say. Studies have shown that the words that we use form our mindsets. They form our ways of thinking. They form the neural pathways in our brain that finds the ways that we will think on a regular basis. The words that we speak form those things. They form our habits. Did you know studies have shown that the words that we use can release these chemicals in our body, serotonin and dopamine, and these things that help relieve stress or things that increase it. And that's no surprise because God's word tells us the same thing. 2 Corinthians 4 that we're working in today reveals to us that it not only impacts our mind and our habits and our serotonin, but it impacts our faith. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. That was the ESV. Let me read it to you in a couple of versions. The message says the same thing in Proverbs 18, 21. It puts it this way. It says, words kill, words give life. They either poison or they fruit. You choose. How amazing. The words give life or they kill. They either poison or fruit. You choose. The New Living Translation translates it this way. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The talk that we make, we will reap the consequences of death or life. But you know what? Taming the tongue is no easy thing to do. There's, if you want to ever think and study the word of God about the tongue, the impact of the tongue and how hard it is to tame it, you have to go to the book of James. So let's have a just a little quick look I know we're in 2 Corinthians 4, but as Paul tells us this is about speaking out, we're going to learn from the book of James for a moment, of what the book of James says in James chapter 3. And I'm going to read to you from verses 2 to 12 in the New Living Translation. This is how it puts it in James chapter 2. Verse 2 says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's relentless and it's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. 
It's a great passage about taming the tongue. Let me break it down for you of what is being said in here. Now, verse 2 says, if you can control the tongue, you can control everything else. All of our focus on all these different parts of our life and our routine and our diet and everything else that we want to control. But Paul says, or James says, if you control the tongue, you control everything else. Verses 3 to 5 gives us these great examples of how we might overlook the significance of what we speak. It's just a small bit of our life, but he says, you know what, that's not uncharacteristic of other things we see. He says there's some great examples of where something very small controls something very significant. He says about the horse, a mighty horse, but controlled just with the bit that's in its mouth as the rider controls the reins. He says, look at all the massive ships one small rudder on the back steers that whole ship and even forest fires are started with one tiny spark it's quite amazing all these small things that can make a massive difference and he says that is what the tongue is like he says in verse 6 if you don't have it under control it corrupts everything when you don't have the tongue under control it can corrupt the whole body our thinking our flesh everything can get corrupted by the tongue <laughs> but he also said in verse 7 to 8 don't underestimate it it is hard to tame he gives this picture in very graphic language of where the tongue comes from and he says you know what it's your flesh and everything about our flesh has a gravitational pull towards sin our spirit has a gravitational pull towards God, but this flesh does not. And he says, that's just like your tongue. You leave it alone. It will speak all manner of filth, all manner of rubbish, all manner of lies. He says in verses 9 to 10, it's amazing. The tongue, this very same tongue can be used for cursing. But he said, you know what it can be used for? It can be used for praising God. It can be used for blessing people. It can be good for speaking out blessings and in the last two verses 11 and 12 he says you know God wants it to be used just for one purpose that's his intention for the tongue is not that it would bring us down and lift us up but that it would just be used for blessing and not for cursing and so my encouragement to you today from this text today is let us tame the tongue but if it's so hard as it really is then I want to get really super practical about how we go about taming the tongue. And the first thing I want to say in getting practical about taming the tongue is this. Find the phrase to feed your faith. I hope you're loving the way I've put these things together. Did you catch the first one? It's time to tame the tongue. This one, find the phrase to feed your faith. It took me a lot of work over these things, right? But I want you to remember it. Find the phrase to feed your faith. You know, there's a bit of your flesh that rubs up against your spirit. I think about it like this pot. I think it's a helpful analogy. Like I said, there's this clay jar, this flesh that we live in. There is an inside bit, this bit that goes on inside our mind, but there's the real treasure within. Now, this inside one has been coloured gold, but, you know, it wasn't always shiny. Some of that inner dialogue isn't always that great. It's a bit rubbish, really. But this inner treasure that's placed within rubs up and there's a place where they rub together where the words that go on in our flesh both in our mouth and in our mind 
don't line up with the treasure that's truly placed within. It's the difficult bit where we go, that's not really what the word of God says. And, and when Paul in 2 Corinthians looks back to the psalmist, the psalmist has the same experience. There is a rubbing going on between the treasure within and the voice within. You know, the, the voice within, back in the book of Psalms 116, the voice within of the flesh said, you know what, death wraps its ropes around me. That's what he was saying back in Psalm 116. He's kind of, I'm going to die. Death is wrapping itself around me. But he found a treasure within that he needs to speak out. You can go read it back in Psalm 116. He says this in verses 8 and 9. He makes a confession. He says, he has saved me from death. These ropes of death might be wrapping around me, but I'm going to speak out. He has saved me from death. My eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walked in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. He makes a confession. He speaks out the opposite of what his flesh wants to tell him. You know, we read it also in this passage in, in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 4, we were reading it earlier. Paul is facing death, as are the Corinthians that he's writing to. They are under persecution, and death surrounds us. And I can imagine there's a voice that goes on inside their mind that says, what if they kill us like they've killed other Christians? And as we read earlier in verse 14 of chapter 4, Paul makes a confession. He says, he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. He found a phrase to feed his faith. This phrase that said, you know what? I might well face death, but he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also. He said, here's a spiritual truth. Here's a biblical truth. I might even be facing persecution and death, but he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us and bring us with you into his presence. So I want to tell you, if you're going to find a phrase to feed your faith, then identify the voice of your flesh. Identify what is that voice that's going on in your flesh, in your mind, that narrative that keeps playing over. And find biblical truth that opposes it and when you find that biblical truth speak it out speak it out tame your tongue with a phrase that feeds your faith let me tell you how this works make it super practical for you imagine maybe the voice that's going on inside your flesh says i'm under so much attack by the devil i'm being attacked by the devil i can't even win this fight if that is the voice that's going on inside your flesh, make a biblical confession. I've got a great one for you. If that's the voice inside your head, I've got a great one that comes from Isaiah. Isaiah 54 verse 17. There's a confession you can make that says, no weapon the enemy uses against me will be effective. Nothing he accuses of will, will stick. And that confession, that phrase that will feed your faith. No weapon the enemy uses against me will be effective. Nothing he accuses of, nothing he accuses me of will stick. Or maybe there's a voice that goes on inside you that says, I don't think God could ever use me. I have nothing to offer. And that flesh, that fleshly voice goes on. I don't think God could ever use me. There's nothing I have to offer. 
If that is a voice inside your mind, I want to give you another biblical confession to make. It comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 21. And you can confess this biblical truth that says, I am a valuable and much needed part of Jesus' church. I'm uniquely fashioned to fit in and do what no one else can do. You find a phrase to feed your faith, the bit that rubs up against your flesh and speak out the word of God. Maybe the voice inside says, my life is in chaos. I can't get a moment to stop and think. Just so much going on. I can't find a moment to stop and think. You can speak out this confession from Psalm 46 verse 10 that would say, God is whispering to me, be still and know that I am God. I look myself in the mirror, I'm going to say, God is whispering to me, be still and know that I am God. I'm going to find a phrase to feed my faith. Maybe the inner voice in the flesh is saying, I'm so worried, so worried and I'm afraid for the future. And I know that fleshly voice is not what the spirit wants to say. That is not the voice of the inner spirit. Well, there's a confession you can make. It comes from 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 and it says this, God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has given me a spirit of power, of love and of self-control. What if the inner voice that you've got is one of guilt and condemnation that says, I can't get past this big mistake I've made, this sin that no one knows about, but I know about it. I can't get past it. I am such a rubbish Christian. When that inner voice is playing, there is a confession. It comes from Isaiah 53 verse 5. And you can say, I don't need to beat myself up for my mistakes. Jesus took that punishment for me already. I don't need to beat myself up for my mistakes. Jesus took that punishment for me already. Maybe you're in that zone when you've prayed and you've not seen the answers and the flesh says to you, God never answers my prayers. I'll never see the breakthrough. There's a confession from Psalm 69 verse 16. It says this, this is the confession you can make. The Lord answers my prayers because of his steadfast love. He abounds in mercy. The Lord answers my prayers because of his steadfast love. He abounds in mercy. Maybe someone's wronged you and hurt you. And everything in your flesh says, they're not going to get away with that. I'm going to get my day. I'm going to get my day back on them. And you know that's intention with the spirit inside you. But that is what the flesh is saying. There's a confession. It comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.15 and it says this. I won't repay evil to those who are against me. I will seek to do good to all those around me. You know, as I prepared this sermon, I couldn't just pluck this stuff out of the air without looking and going, what's my confession? If you were listening right at the very beginning, you might have had a little insight into the voice inside my head. It's a very true voice inside my head that you had an insight into. It's a problem I face continually. It's my flesh. It's my flesh of self-ambition. And as I've prepared this sermon, I'm like, I wanna have a confession that's just for me. Maybe you don't struggle in that way. Maybe one of these other things fits your, you know, your fleshly challenge right up your street. But for me, I'm like, I need to dig into God's word 
And so I dug into God's word and I found a great confession that comes from Galatians 1.10. As I read Galatians 1.10, I'm like, I can make a confession that is biblical. And this is my confession. And if you receive this daily text of confessions, you'd have read it this morning as well. But it strikes a chord with me. And it's a confession I want to make every single day. It says, I am not trying to be popular or win the approval of others. My supreme passion is to please God. I cannot live to please people and be a true servant of Jesus. So when that inner voice says to me, have I done enough to impress people? I mean, God's word's powerful enough, but what if I'm not funny enough or interesting enough? What if people are bored with me? Or what if I preach wonderfully and then they'll love me even more? The answer is this confession that says, I am not trying to be popular or win the approval of others. My supreme passion is to please God. I cannot live to please people and be a true servant of Jesus. That's my confession. That's my phrase I've found to feed my faith. And I want to encourage you to find a phrase to feed your faith. There are so many voices speaking at you. So many voices, not just the voices inside your head. There's culture speaking to you. There's what others would say to you. There's what the devil wants to try and tell you. There's what history will tell you. But you know, you've got to get your inner voice, the voice of your spirit out into your mouth and let it shine. This week we had our Zoom prayer meeting. And uh, I shared on the prayer meeting how I asked for people to pray for me. And it was to do with the fact that um, uh, I'm not prepared as much as I want to be for the series is coming in the future. We've got this series, then we've got Mother's Day. Um, and then what we're going to preach on from now to, to Easter is, is a bit sketchy at the moment. And I usually like to be a lot more prepared for that. And, and I haven't got really a plan much yet. And that's, that's unsettling for me. And so I asked for prayer. And wonderfully, people prayed for that. And, and Richard prayed for me. And Richard said, Lord, as Trevor sleeps tonight, this was Tuesday night, as Trevor sleeps tonight, would you give him the answer in a dream? And I'm like, yeah, I'll have that. I will have that. I want to put my head on the pillow. I want to have a dream in the middle of the night that tells me what to preach on for three weeks. And then I want to wake up, job done. And so I put my head on the pillow that night. And I'm like, I wonder what God's going to do. And you know what? I didn't have a dream. God didn't answer Richard's prayer. I woke up in the morning and thought, I didn't have a dream. You know what I thought? I thought, well, best I get, get on with doing the hard graft of studying and planning and digging into God's word and looking at what the right thing is for Easter and seeking God's face. Now, I've got to tell you, I would love it all to be dropped in my lap. And I know Richard would. Richard, I know you love me. I know you care. But I want to tell you, God loves me more. God cares more. And God says, you know what, son? I'm not going to drop it in your lap. You're going to journey with me. You're going to dig in. You're going to find treasure in my word. And he has a better plan for me. And I want to say the same is true for you. I would love it if God changed your inner voice overnight. If that fleshly voice, whatever it is that goes on inside your head, like it goes on inside mine, I'd love if you could put your head on the pillow and wake up the next day and it was all changed and if you want to give it a try pray for that say lord as i put my head on the pillow tonight change my mindset 
transform my thinking. Let me wake up in the morning completely thinking differently. And praise God if you wake up in the morning and it's different. But if it's not, let me tell you, you've got to come to the same conclusion I did, which was, guess I better do the hard graft then. <laughs> I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you and ask you to commit to create your confession. Commit to create your confession. You know, I've found a confession that I need to speak out. I need to speak out daily. This confession that says, I can't please people and please Jesus. I won't live to please others. I will live to, for supremely for Jesus' approval. That is the confession that I need to make. I have created that confession from the Word of God. And I want to challenge you. The only way this inner narrative is going to change is if you control the tongue, if you tame the tongue, if you find the phrase to feed your faith, if you commit to create your confession. There are a few ways you could do this. You might notice that every day I post on Facebook, on Instagram, and some people receive it by text. Every day I post a daily confession. And it's a little bit of a scattergun approach. I just read the Word of God and find something that, that I go, well, that would make a great confession. It's almost like throwing medicine out but not knowing who's got what illnesses and need what medicine. And it may be that one of those confessions you'll read one day and you're like, oh, that, that hurts. Ouch, that's difficult to say. I'm not sure that lines up with my flesh. You might have just found your confession. You know, I, I've committed to myself to keep doing those daily confessions until I've done 365 of them, until I've got a year of them. I've done a hundred so far. There's, you know, I'm third of the way. And you know, there might randomly be one there that just lands on the spot and you're like, that is the confession that I need to say. You know, when you hear one of those confessions and you go, I'm not even sure I can say that, then maybe you found it. But I want to give you another way to do this. And this is how it worked for me in this sermon was the inner narrative that you heard at the beginning, I had to write down. I had to write that down so I knew what I would say. And as I wrote it down and identified the voice that goes on inside my head, I was able more objectively to look and go, that is what's wrong with that voice. And then when I identify what was wrong with that voice, which is that I am looking for the approval of people, then I can go, so where in the Word of God is there a scripture that combats that? And I want to offer you my help. If you can identify the voice inside your head, I can't do that, you can. And you don't know a scripture in the Bible, I'm more than happy. Drop me a text, a WhatsApp, an email, whatever, and say, Trevor, this is the voice that goes on inside my head. Do you know of a scripture? Do you know of a confession? I promise you, I will journey with you. We will find something in the Word of God that you can confess. But you'll get even more out of it if you find it in the Word of God. <laughs> Just telling you that, right? You'll get so much more if you go dig into the Word of God and search it and study it. But I'll help you. You know... There are years and years and years of wrong thinking inside our minds. And so this isn't a quick journey, but it's a journey worth taking. Finding the confession that you need to speak to combat the flesh inside your mind that is speaking. And then speaking it out. I've got to tell you, it's so important that you speak it out. Don't just read it. Don't just mentally. Speak it out with your mouth. Speak out the confession daily. The same confession each day. Speak it out. Now, I am reliably told by others who have really gone on this journey that for the first year, it doesn't feel like you're making a lot of headway. 
Do you get a picture? Now, this is a long journey. You've spent years thinking this wrong way. And so it's going to take some time to unpick that. But as you train your tongue with the confession of the word of God that combats the flesh that's within you, as you do that, you will train your whole body. Don't forget this rudder that we spoke about in this word of God. This rudder, I mean, if you ever tried turning a large ship, I don't know if you know this, but you know, you, you can turn a speedboat, you know, in a few seconds, but you take a large cruise liner or a battleship, you can't turn that quickly. That small rudder moves the ship, but it doesn't move it quickly. And the same is true. This tongue, it's when it's tamed, it will change everything, but it is a long process. And even a spark is small. And forest fires don't start like that. They start slowly, slowly. But once they start getting a hold, wow, it takes off. Could you start a forest fire in your flesh? <laughs> Could you set on fire this flesh that speaks the wrong way and let the fire of the Spirit take hold? I want to tell you as well, really practically, about this confession stuff. Because I know people face this sometimes. Like, how can I speak out what I don't believe? If, if you give me this confession, but what if I don't believe it? So let me, again, let me take it super practical because you know even the confession that you don't believe in your flesh, your spirit does. It might be so deep within inside you can't hear it, but I can confidently say when you find a biblical confession that your flesh doesn't believe, your spirit does. So imagine this one. Here's a confession from Psalm 119 verse 71. This confession says, even in hard times and suffering, I am learning how to follow Jesus and his ways. Even in hard times and suffering, I'm learning how to follow Jesus and his ways. And you hear that confession, you go, no, I'm not. I'm not learning. I'm learning how to be frustrated. I'm learning how to be angry with God. I'm not learning how to follow Jesus. And you go, I can't make that confession, Trevor. It's not true. I've you can make a confession you add these words to the beginning you add these words God's word tells me God's word tells me even in hard times and suffering I'm learning how to follow Jesus in his ways you can say that even if you do not believe it you do know that God's word tells you it and so you can say with great confidence God's word tells me then the confession and you can say that for days and months and years until you're able to drop the God's words tells me and say it because you believe it. But either way, you are taming your tongue to speak it out. You know, if you're serious about these mindset shifts, and I pray you are serious about it because you can walk away from the sermon, whether you do put in the chat, wow, great preacher, you know, it's not going to make a jot of difference without you committing to the journey. And if you're serious, I want to give you some extra steps that can really help you with this. There's a book I want to recommend to you. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. Change your thinking, change your life. It's written by a great preacher and leader of church called Craig Groeschel. It'll cost you £10 on Kindle. And I promise you, this book will go so much deeper into this than I've been able to today. But if £10 is beyond your budget, which I understand, you can watch a sermon series on the book for free on the internet. I'm going to give you a link to that. You know, the great thing about Church Online is you get to watch multiple services. Last weekend, while Karen's in hospital, I got to watch four church services. 
It's great. I've got four people preach at me from all over the world. I was blessed. You can listen to these sermons and I'll lay you into a little secret. If you watch Craig Grishel's first sermon, you might see some stuff I stole off him for this preach, but you know, you go look at that. If you're a YouVersion Bible reader, you know, you've got that Bible app, there's a Bible plan about this. If you're a Bible plan person, I can show you where the Bible plan is for that. You can go deeper into this. Let me just wrap up by saying this. There's, there's this great clue in this last verse that we read. Let me read to you again this last verse. It says, yes, all things work for your enrichment so that more of God's marvellous grace will spread to more and more people, resulting in even greater increase of praise to God, bringing even more glory. You know, as you speak out the inner treasure within you, God's spirit coming up, more takes place than you might realise. Changing your words changes more than your words. Changing your words changes more than your words. What's it say? It says, all things work for your enrichment. As you speak out, that inner cognitive dissonance starts to be resolved. That inner tension becomes less tense. You get to do the things that your spirit inside you really wants to do because you start to align your flesh with your spirit. But there's more. It says more of God's marvellous grace will spread to more and more people. You know, as you change your, or tame your tongue, as you change your confession, that inner treasure gets seen more and more clearly. Others get to see the light of the world that's within you. And it also says an even greater increase of praises to God, bringing him even more glory. You know, as more people see the treasure, more glory goes to God. It's time to tame the tongue. Find the phrase that feeds your faith. Commit to change your confession. You know, because Jesus was raised from the dead, so can your dead thinking be resurrected into new life. So can the dead words that go around in your mind and come out your mouth, they can be resurrected into living words so that your flesh can come into alignment with the treasure that is within you.